0: Now, in the 16th verse, just to be able to understand from there to the end. But the 11 disciples, this is 28:16. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that's the way the book of Matthew uh, finishes its gospel. That is his conclusion. The choir sang for us a beautiful number, We Believe. And the emphasis, and that's why I chose that scripture, it's Jesus using and telling us and letting us know that it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that's where the blessing comes, and that's where the knowledge of the Holy Trinity is so clearly given to us through the Master. No, I'm not going to explain the Trinity to you today because the Trinity is not, is not something you can explain. The Holy Trinity is a revelation. It comes from the Spirit of God. It's something that you study and you read and then one day it will sit very well with you. It will come in in the power of of just a seed of faith, and you won't have any more problems with it. We've got a million ways of trying to explain it. The egg with the shell and the yolk and the yellow, the apple with the uh, seeds and the, and the inside and the, the skin, and, and we go on, and, and we even do it with water and vapor and, and, and uh, whatever, but uh, believe me, God does not need our human explanations. If you just look to the heavens, you will see him. And somehow or other, when we connect and we say, Father, we think of the creator. When we think of son, we think of redemption. The plan, above all plans, for man to be saved. When you think of the Holy Spirit, you've got to give him the same name and title that Jesus gave him. Comforter. I love that. Comforter. The one that upholds. And then in the beauty of the, of the work of the Holy Spirit through the teachers, especially the Apostle Paul, and, and even Jesus and even John the Baptist uh, shared with us the work of the Holy Spirit preparing the bride we are the Bride of Christ. The church is the Bride of Christ. And it's, it's a beautiful comparison. It's, it's an absolutely fantastic one. So when we say we believe, we believe in the Father, we believe in the Son, and we believe in the Holy Spirit. And from our beliefs, from our faith, from the simplicity of the Word of God, there is healing for our illnesses, and I thank the Lord for that. You say, Sister Amy, well, if there's healing, well, why are we so sick? I'm not even going to try to answer that, because I don't have to. There is healing in Christ Jesus, and if we touch the hem of his garment, he will heal us, and you say, well, that's getting out of it. No, I never get out of it, because, you see, when it comes to what God does in your life, it's so private, it's so intimate, it is so beautiful. Your life is not a ramification of anybody else, not in the spiritual realm. Oh, we've got the color eyes of Daddy, and we've got the color hair of Mommy, and, and, and we've got the body and the belt of, a, of a, either one of them. But when it comes to the spiritual situation, no, no. That doesn't count. Now, there is healing, beautiful healing in Jesus. And let me tell you, healing takes on uh, many, many different aspects. There's the healing of the body. There's the healing of the mind. There's the healing of the emotions. Uh, There's just so much that includes. uh, But this is, we believe, and we believe there is healing for us we believe there's strength for emergency and especially for emergency rooms. If you've ever sat in an emergency room, you better know God because other than that, you are in trouble. And if you're pregnant, you just might give birth in the waiting room. He is there for us. Strength for emergencies. Like people say, well, you don't need church. You don't need religion don't need God. I mean, that's something private. That's something intimate. Uh, that, that's it. that's that, that's dealing in our in, in our bedroom. Let's put it that way. That's how personal that is. Hey, but whatever you have of God will show forth in your daily life. Whatever you have of God will show forth as you're being tested by the very strains of existence. There is a strain in living today. You better believe there is. Now, God's promised to give us strength. I say we believe, and I'm just talking about the derivatives of our faith, things that will happen to us if we do have faith. The scripture tells us that if you, you talk about healing, we would never be through with all the miracles of Jesus, uh, uh, how his hand was extended, how his word went forth, uh, uh, how he healed them. And then when you think of strength for emergencies, there he was. I think, of I think of Jairus. Uh, uh, he's told his daughter is dead. He has already conquered the master to go to his house, but now what for? She's dead. And Jesus just looks and says, Just only believe. Only believe. Just trust me. Oh, I love that. And that's what he whispers to us. The, o- the only thing is sometimes we are so noisy with the noise within we're so noisy with the clamoring of our brain. Uh, we're, so, we're always trying to, uh, what shall we say, see the thing through, uh, uh, iron it out. Uh, we want to, you no, know, hold steady. Hold steady. He said he'd be with you. He said he'd be with you. And I love that scripture. Let every man be a liar, but God tells the truth. And that's the truth. He is a God of truth. There's healing and there's strength for emergencies. There's also a sustenance in time of pain. Going through the death of a kin, a daughter, a son, a mother, a father, there are just things that you don't think you're up to them. And yet when the time of testing comes, and your feeble prayers have gone up. Your fragile cry has gone up. You don't feel you've been spiritual enough to get any answers. You see, God doesn't judge our spirituality. I love him for that. He's not waiting for you to get to temperature 96. Listen, if you're borderline 66 and more frozen, than on fire, he still will hear your cry. That's what I love about him. When we're fragile, when we're when we don't have the strength to cry, whatever cry comes out, God hears it and we're sustained. Let's talk about help in catastrophes. Anybody know what a financial catastrophe is all about? Let's see your hands. I need testimony. I need confession this day, thank you. When I used to ask these questions and I started, nobody would put their hands up. But now we've gotten to realize, hey, wait a minute, that's me, that's me. My mother always used to say, I need nine pennies to make a dime. So I I never understood what she meant, that she had a penny. But what what she was telling me was, I just don't have it. I just don't have what it takes. And I go so far back when you could have bought a meal for a buck and a half. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the rice and the garlic and the onion and the little bit of tocino. You know what I'm talking about. And sometimes it wasn't even that. But I always remember the day. This was, this was interesting, talk about financial help. The day my father was in the Pentecostal church and he was there about six months. And the pastor called him up. Oh, these Pentecostal people have nerve. That's where I was brought up. And, uh, and the pastor says, You've been with us six months. You're not tithing. So my father looked up at him. He says, Que? What? He says, You're not tithing. He says, Oh, well, when I, when I have an extra dollar, I put it in. Oh, he says, Oh, no, God doesn't take extras, God has a specific amount. My father looked up, and he sat down with a lot of patience and a lot of love, and explained tithing to my father. That when you get paid, you take out ten percent that belongs to God. Don't get don't don't anybody get upset. Don't get wiggly on me, because that's also a question of faith. In God's time. And my father looked at the pastor. My father was so sweet. I love him. He says, "Oye pastor, listen, pastor, I've got to tell you something about my family." They don't wear shoes. They eat them. The pastor says, well, the only thing we buy our children are sneakers and by the end of the week they have a hole in it. Oh, by the way, that's when sneakers were 89 cents a pair. The good ones. And the pastor listened to my father. And then my mother says, my father said, and when I get home on Fridays with that check, my, mira, lo debe todo en la bodega. She owes the whole thing to the grocery store. Anybody know what Apuntalo is? Ah, you came to life. It means put it down. You know, you take your, put it down, write it down. And at the end of the week, you'd add it up. And your book was supposed to match the grocery man's book. It didn't always match, but anyway. So he's telling the pastor all of this. And the pastor says, oh, okay, okay. You, You almost want to collect an offering for Mr. Garcia. And then the pastor said the following. He says, look, Raphael, my daddy's name. He says, let's make a deal. From next week on, you pay your tithes. You just pay them. And at the end of a month or two, whatever you want, if God hasn't come through with his promise, I'll give you back your tithe, and I'll pay whatever important debt you have that week. My father chuckled. It was Manuel Lopez. My father chuckled. Said, wow. He's got a losing bargain. I'm going to go for it. Just the wisdom of a man of God. And guess what? Daddy went for it. Daddy went for it. I always remember the joy of the first week that my mother stopped putting things down. She says, no, it's gonna last all week. We're gonna make it happen. That was my mother's first sense of freedom in terms of her monies. We didn't have to pay a grocery man at the end of the week. She went on and things got a little better. That Easter we all got dressed up, had a new dress, new shoes, had everything. When a month and a half was over, the pastor realized that my father it seems he forgot. And after two months he called him in Manda Lopez, he says, Rafael, I'm ready to give you back your tithes. My father looked over at him and says, I know. No. I have never had. A better time. He says we're seeing the light. Things are better at home, and from then on in, everything changed. My mother started to save money. She was she was always a good saver. You know, potecito. You know what saying? You know, the jars. Mother had penny jars. Mother had nickel jars. Anybody remember the banks, the round banks where they had quarters and nickels? Thank you. That goes back to 1937, but that's all right. Don't worry about it. Mother would fill them up. And we had the job of going down to 14th Street with her to the dollar savings bank. And it was so glorious because there came the time when Mama had over $3,000 in the bank. She felt like a millionaire. Guess what she did with it? Sent me to Bible school. And from then on, my mother never lacked a penny. Never. Never. Owned three houses on the face of the earth. And if they would have let her alone, she would have been a real estate agent. Never lacked. Never lacked. I thank God. We believe. You say, Sister Amy, uh, does that fit in the belief? You better believe it does. Sometimes our lives are so spilt over with such little order that we don't know what we believe. We believe there is a God that created heaven and earth and that he sent his only begotten son, put our lives together, And with the redemption finish and his ascension, he then sent the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that moves in the church. And it's the Holy Spirit that convicts sinners of their sin. This is why I I don't like people condemning. This is why when we sit in New Beginnings, we don't condemn. And this is when people tell us their grossest sins. We sit there like we're unmoved. And it's not that we are unmoved. It's the simple fact that we can't do anything with it. Only God can. And it's the Holy Spirit that will put the life together. It's the Holy Spirit that will manage in every aspect of our life and living. So we do believe. And our belief affects our daily walk. It affects our daily life. We believe that we can get help. And God does give it. We believe that we can cope with a lot of things we couldn't cope with before. Isn't it the truth? Remember how we were rejected so many and so often? I don't think there's anything worse than rejection. It leaves you like hollow inside. It leaves you like sick. It leaves you embarrassed in yourself when there's no reason to be embarrassed. But when you're rejected, woo. And I thank God for a God that helps us to cope with rejection. You know how you cope with rejection? You're being rejected here, but there's a Holy Spirit that's saying God loves you and he will undergird you and he will hold you in the hollow of God's hands. And when you're there, no one will take you out for no one, Jesus said, can remove you from my hand. Oh. Talk about sustaining. Talk about a force that's real. Now, all of this has a million examples, biblical examples, how God gave strength for people to cope in tremendous situations. I think the greatest coper in the world was Job. I love him. Oh, I love Job. When I get to heaven, I just want to sit next to him for a while. I won't even talk. I just want to sit next to him. A man that saw it all go, health, family, friends, wealth, he saw it all go and for each tragic moment there was an expression not of joy but a gut level expression which simply said I'm hanging in there, God gave, God took away, blessed be the name of God. Did it mean he understood? No. Did it mean he accepted? No. Did it mean he was uh, resigned? No. It just means that he knew there was a power bigger than him in charge of this whole mess. And although he didn't understand the ramifications of the mess, he knew he was there. And his children are taken from him in a world when a house crashes in on them and they all die. Though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Ooh, that's a heavy. For me it's a heavy. For me it's a heavy. Though you slay me, everyone else is gone. And then the sweet wife by your side, curse God and drop dead. That's a sweet wife. But even, even, even she was involved in God's blessings. When his friends came by with the great messages, you must be the greatest sinner alive. You must have failed God miserably. You must have cursed him within yourself. You must have, you must have, you must have, you must have. You know why? Because we're specialists in judging. Oh, I'm, we, we get prizes. I think I'm a lieutenant colonel. No, no, no. I may be a five-star general. Because we, 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 it's so easy. We hear of a tragedy, and right away, do you, you realize that the mental mind always reaches out, not for compassion for what has happened, but who is to blame? We, we, we immediately must lash out at the blame. through that mess he just I think he says the greatest thing no that's not the greatest because the greatest is at the very end <laughs> he says I know that my redeemer liveth and he says I'm tired of all of you you've beaten on me you've rolled me over you've stepped on me you've got me going crazy but listen I know that my redeemer is alive and when this whole mess is over I will see him oh That is, that's the essence of we believe. (laughs) We believe in the Father. We believe in the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something else. It's God that through our faith and our belief gives us patience in times of rejection and failure. and also gives us acceptance of the things we go through. It's wonderful to come to the conclusion that we just don't know it all. That's a marvelous conclusion. We don't know it all. We don't know what God has planned for the future. We don't know why we're going through this. Many a time I've preached on Peter's uh, receiving the knowledge from Jesus that Satan has asked for him. And then we say, and and, uh, Jesus prayed for him. You kind of understand, well, if Jesus prayed for him, nothing's going to happen to him. Oh, no, 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 no. It all happened. He went straight into the hole. Well, you heard the fight he had with Jesus. When everybody leaves you, I won't leave you. And if you go to jail, I'm going with you. So forget it. And Jesus says, cool it, Peter. Today, today, not tomorrow, not next week. Today, you'll have denied me three times. How well God knew. How well God knew. Hallelujah. But you know something? He said, when you come back from this, sustain, help, vitalize, bless the sheep, which which is the greatest truth in the world. Uh, We go through things because it has to do with our human failure. But at the end of our rope, it comes a power that we've never known before. The God that says, I'm here for you. And we say, God, save me. It's like Peter going down. He walked on the water, but he was going down. Took his eyes off of Jesus. Heard the billows. uh, Felt the waves and the sprinkling of the water. Says, wait a minute. But God was there. Jesus was there. The Lord has promised. In every way to help us, he'll give us a determination to overcome, even in the midst of our weaknesses. You know, sometimes we find people that want to stop smoking. I'm going to say something terrible, but that's okay. I say a lot of terrible things. I've never been a condemning preacher in terms of whatever you do. I, I was. I just didn't have that type of leadership and pastors. And I didn't know how to tell people they shouldn't smoke, other than the fact that it was a vice. Do you understand what I mean? I had a lot of problems with that. You see, when you grow up, 1929 up, there was an imagery that we grew up with. If you ever saw a movie, if you have opened a magazine... And the imagery was a glass of wine and a cigarette. And when you got big and beautiful, you'd have both of them. So you couldn't wait to grow up and have the glass of wine and the cigarette. So people were grown up and they were smoking cigarettes and I thought they got halfway there. Talk imagery. But you know, when they started to declare that it burns your lungs out and that it causes cancer... Wow, didn't the imagery fall apart from me? They're killing themselves. They're killing themselves. And that's why the message that we give should not be one of condemnation. It should simply be one of, hey, God wants you well. And if you trust him, he'll help you. Oh, folks, I thank God tonight, today. I thank him for his goodness. I thank him for his mercy. I thank him for the reality of what believing does for us. It's not a matter of church. It's not a matter of tradition. It's not a matter of music. It's not a matter of candles. Don't anybody throw away your program. It's like a little poison pen letter that I've written to you. Because my heart's in that. I don't like anything to substitute the word. I don't like anything to substitute God's truth. I don't want anything to substitute our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think church should be a happy hour. Now, don't get me wrong. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I know that. But when we come in, we come in with so many problems. We come in with so many sorrows. We come in with so many needs. When we come through that door, we're saying, God, see me through this. And it may be a joyous chorus that sees you through it. It may be a moment of grace and glory that explodes upon us. But he said he'd be here. And that's what believing is all about. Determination to overcome. Determination to tell people they can. And give people hope. Hope. In their time of sorrow. Oh, I want to I be someone that gives hope. We had a precious visitor from the Catholic Church with us yesterday, in uh, our Ladies Fellowship, and I watched her through the prayer time. Her eyes were open and staring at those that were praying, but I could see such a look of hunger, such a such a tenderness, such a beauty. I, I could see somebody looking not to knock or not to judge, but to drink. To be a part of. When it was all over, I went over to her and we greeted each other. And she says, oh, you have no idea how God has blessed me. And she went on to tell me that some of the services in her church, some of the charismatic services, some of the prayer services, some of the healing services. And we just sat there and rejoiced because what she was talking about is what we experience. No borders, no boundaries, no fences, no walls. It's the Spirit of God moving in this world and how we welcome the movement of the Holy Spirit. Now, you say, Sister Amy, if we believe, we'll have healing, we'll have strength, we'll be sustained, God will help us to cope. We'll have patience and acceptance and determination. We'll have hope. All of this, yes? And let me tell you something else. We'll have strength against Satan's attacks. Satan has one little pastime, and it's accusing you and me in the presence of God. That's his pastime. That's one of the things I don't understand. That's one of the things I say, God, why don't you just throw him out? Don't let him keep coming into your presence. But I think God will explain that to me when this is all over. But listen to this, and I think it's important that you know. We're talking about the Lord now. We're talking about those that believe. We're talking about those that say, Jesus, I love you and I accept you. Listen to what the word says. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? That's you. That's you. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Oh, I like that. David once sinned. And they they gave him a choice. A choice. We can have the land filled with locusts. We can bring disease on the people. Or we could leave it up to God. Take your choice. And David says, hey, hold it. I'm going to God because down here, there's no mercy. I'll take my chances with God. And he did. And you know how God used this man in the midst of his weakness. Who is, is who is who is the one who condemns Jesus Christ? Is he who died? Yes. Rather, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who also intercedes for us? Who? Now, this is a big question. Listen to it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? For it is ris- ris- written, For thy sake we are being put to death all day long. This is why we believe. No matter how bad life gets, we're moving on. But in all the, it says, for it is written, for thy sake we're being put to death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. No matter how down a Christian is, no matter how beaten a Christian is, no matter how a Christian struggles, he's more than conqueror. In Christ Jesus. For I am convinced. Join me with Paul. For I am convinced that neither death. Nor life. Nor angels. Nor principalities. uh, Nor things present. Nor things to come. uh, Nor powers. uh, Nor height. Nor death. Nor any other created thing. Shall be able to separate us. From the love of God. Which is in Christ Jesus. uh, Our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Oh, yes. We believe. We stand firm. And we know in whom we have believed. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which we've committed unto him against that day. Do you believe it? Oh folks, uh, we've got to be the believers. We've got to be the people that tell everyone around us, I believe, I believe, Uh, don't be cruel, don't be unkind, Uh, uh, don't don't try to, uh, to, what shall we say, hurt people, don't do that. That the love of God that pours from your heart be so sweet, that the presence of the Lord manifest a transformation in your lives. That people look at you and say, hey, you're not the same. What's happening? And you're there, no, don't give them a sermon because they'll never ask you again. Just tell them that God's been good to you. That he's dealt with your pain. That he's dealt with your sorrow. That he's dealt with your inabilities. That he's dealt with your guilt. That he's dealt with, uh, hey, a lot of past things, a lot of garbage that was buried. God's taken care of it. The Holy Spirit's in my heart and in my life. Can you trust God to do that? Let's pray.